All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your mostly weekly look at the wide, wide, into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. If I edited this thing at all, I would cut that out. I don't. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey. Thank you all very much for being here. Uh, please, let me get this out of the way at the top so I can remember. Like, comment, subscribe, share, rate, review, any of it. However you are listening to this podcast, I don't care how, a little bit, that will give us all, uh, helps the algorithm, helps us boost visibility, lets us know that people are listening. And Lord knows sometimes it helps to know that. On the agenda this evening, yesterday, the UFC was on ABC. First time the UFC had been on traditional broadcast television since uh, I think Poirier Gaethje was the last Fox event. And the first time combat sports had been on ABC since the year 2000. Yeah, it was a nice little thing for ABC. Uh, ABC, of course, part of the Disney family of companies. And since the UFC is on ESPN, which is also a Disney member, there's some stuff in the contract about letting them appear on ABC on occasion if necessary. So, uh well, I don't think we have the ratings yet for that, but hopefully in the coming weeks we'll get some numbers on that. Anyway, we also have a Wednesday event, which I get to watch instead of another miserable, disingenuous, pandering inauguration of a president here in the United States. Uh, that will be, again, Wednesday early in the morning. UFC on ESPN 20, headlined by Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. And then this Saturday, the big one, the return of... Depending on how you feel about Khabib's status in the sport, the biggest star in the sport, uh, Conor McGregor, as he and Dustin Poirier will battle in a rematch. Those two fought several years ago. Conor won via first-round TKO. Uh, and that card finally, a couple of weeks ago, finally, got some value beyond the main event when they added Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler as your co-main, uh, which is another great fight. So we'll have a preview of that, a little bit of the news, all that stuff. You guys know the format by now. If you don't, this is the format. So thank you very much for being a new fan. You heard him already a little bit. He is back for the first time in quite a while. First time in 2021. Your friend and mine, 411 Mania's Jack of All Trades, Jeffrey Harris. Jeff, how you doing out there? Your, your uh, state's still on fire? 2021, same as 2020. I don't know why people were blaming it on a calendar. It's not the calendar's fault. That is true. Calendar is an arbitrary distinction we draw about the and Earth's yes, position. it still sucks over here, but <laughs> but it could be worse. Could always be worse. You could always be living in New York. That's true. I'm not happy right now about a lot of things, but I'm doing relatively okay. My parents are doing okay, so could be worse. Yeah. Those are really the most important things. I mean, no, no gimmicks, no jokes, no sarcasm. 100%. Yeah. Those are the most important things. So if you got so those I, going for you, I try to keep perspective on this as a, as sort of unhappy as I am right now and just sort of, I guess, disenfranchised, disenfranchised by all the things we've lost over the yeah, last disillusion. year. Yeah, disillusioned. I try. I just try to keep in perspective that it could always be worse. Sure. It always can. Never, never forget <laughs> yeah, that. Everybody. Exactly. I mean, always, it can get worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what keeps me going right now. And 
I'm on here with you, and we're talking about fights again. So that's not so bad. Well, fighting the positive is a good thing. All right, let's get into last night's event. Again, the UFC was on ABC, had a slightly earlier start time. Uh, Which I like, by the way. Yeah, the earlier start time, not a bad thing. Uh, I'm a little bit annoyed. The one on Wednesday starts very early, which I am slightly annoyed by. But what are you going to do? I am beholden to the broadcast schedule, much like anyone else's. You had a few weeks off, at least. That was nice. Uh, Any longer, and I would have started going stir-crazy. But, you know, a couple of weeks over the holidays, yeah, I was fine with it. And they add fans back in the arena for the first time since, I guess... Was it the the Adesanya? The Adesanya Romero card. Yeah. Because that was the one that happened before the Brasilia card when they had no fans. And then they had no fa- yeah. yeah, they had that one with no fans. And then they had to shut down until, I guess, May. So this was the first one with fans since March 2020. So Closer to a year than not. Under a year. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was... I'm a little bit torn... Because you know my my stance on you know audience participation in combat sports has always been that you know a good crowd will make a great fight better, mm-hmm. but nothing makes a fight and a broadcast less observable than a drunken crowd that won't stop. Right. Wooing. This crowd wasn't so bad. Um, Helps that they're in kind of a dry part of the world, and I don't yeah. and I mean that in the alcoholic sense, yeah, not the exactly. uh, not the climate. Uh, so at the Etihad arena in Abu Dhabi they were allowed to have about a limited amount of fans in the arena about 2000 20,000 seat arena so um and you know you know like you said kudos me, to the MMA MMA yeah and MMA does not it MMA is not as bad without the fans as pro wrestling which loses yeah. a pro, lot pro so wrestling much. it because pro wrestling is a performative art that requires audience participation to work it really struggles. MMA, there's drama because two people are fighting. You don't I need a whole lot more than that. I can't watch American pro wrestling these days without the fans, but um, like New Japan, I I don't know if you ever look at New Japan pro wrestling, but they when they returned from hiatus, they were able to have um, you know restricted amount of fans uh, at the at the arenas. And it's so much better, even with the limitations. Um, and that's ma- that's the main wrestling I've been watching, you know, through this whole pandemic. But uh, MMA, I think, works just as well without the fans present. Um, you don't lose a lot, I think, without having the fans around. Yeah, and you can, bar- lot, you can hear a lot more of what's going on in the fight, actually. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, the upper bound limit might come down a little bit, but again, there's nothing worse than a bad crowd. Yeah, so the, exactly. uh, the bottom comes up. Yeah. Like, you know, eat. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, anyway, last night, main event. Uh, oof. I don't even really know. I almost struggled to know where to start with this fight. Max Holloway defeats Calvin Cater via unanimous decision. Scores of 50-43, 50-43, and 50-42. The 50-43s include the two... Fight of the night. I, think, I, I guess Calvin uh, Cater was basically given a $50,000 bonus for all the brain damage he suffered last night. 
That won't even cover his first five neuro, uh, neurologist appointments. What Here you go. Here you go, Calvin Cater. Here's $50,000 for getting your ba- brains ba- bashed in for 25 minutes. Sorry. Sorry your corner sucks so bad. There should have been, like, I don't want to get off onto too much of a tangent here, but seriously, Dana wants to come out and say that brain damage is part of the gig when you fight. To be fair, it is. The compensation should reflect that, and what fighters are paid is not adequate to the physical uh, risks and price they wind up paying. That's just indisputable fact. I mean, but Max Holloway looked look great, but that fight was not should not have been five rounds. It should not have gone into like that fight should have been stopped at points in the fourth, or Cater's uh, corner should where, have stopped it between rounds four and five. Where was BJ Penn's corner? BJ Penn's corner. And this was 11 years ago at UFC 94 in the second fight with GSP. Uh, was getting beat down. After four rounds, they stopped. They th- His corner called for a stoppage and stopped the fight. His corner did. Yeah, for taking a small Penn, fraction. <laughs> a fraction, exactly. That His beating in that fight was nowhere near as bad as what happened to Qatar. Uh, Qatar. Here, um, the f- yeah, fact I, that the fact that two judges gave this fight 50-43 is generous, Robert. Generous. Yeah, I was doing this live. I was 50-43. Uh, I probably should have gone to 10-7 in the fourth. So that would have been 50-42. Uh, I said I said this on social media. I believe there's just this warp mentality in MMA. That, you know, you're not a real fighter if you're not basically ready to literally die over the course of, like, a five-round fight. And you're not a real fighter or you're a pussy if you throw in the towel uh, and and call for an early stoppage. There There is no shame in throwing in the towel to protect your fighter. And I think corners have that mentality, too. They want their, you got to be a warrior. You got to be a warrior and go out there and basically die. Basically, everything short of dying. And I, I, you replied to me last night, Robert, and you said, you know, it's going to have to take someone dying to get some, I don't know, some regulation on this or changes on this. I pray it, that never happens. happens. I pray that never happens, but I'm 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 of the same worry right now. Well, talking about this for just a second before we get into yeah. some of the fight. The issue isn't so much regulation. There are regulations in place. Uh, the issue is purely uh, how do I say this? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a bit of a thought that if we can just write the rules with enough specificity that will fix the problem. That's not the case. But people who adhere to that mindset always look at some, will look at rules and go, well, this should be more specific. And then you try to, but the more refined you try to make those, it it just winds up creating more headaches. I think this is, this is borne out constantly every time theory is applied to practice. The Mm -hmm. problem as it relates to MMA in particular, in this case is purely one of uh, culture and mentality. Mm-hmm. Boxing, you know, boxing coaches have no problem throwing in the towel, right? Because because boxing, not only has boxing been around long enough, enough people have been around 
in boxing long enough to have seen other people killed in the ring. That is a brutal That fact. has happened. It has happened. That's brutal. It's uncomfortable. Nobody likes it. It is a risk inherent to the sport. And MMA has just never had to have that uh, kind of you know, cultural right. epiphany around saving your fighter from life-altering slash life-ending damage when it serves no purpose. But there's... I don't know what, like, if I know this sport, we've seen some crazy come from behind victories. We've seen some crazy comebacks, but uh, Qatar was not in a state to make that happen. He had the opportunity, he had enough opportunity. And by round four, like to me, enough was enough, you know? Um, His corner, his corner. I, I don't know who his coaches are, but they didn't do a good job coaching him or, or just protecting your athlete. You know, what is? Yeah. Now maybe like, I don't know what kind of long. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what kind of long-term damage this is going to do, but I feel like it's not going to be good. And second of all, uh, where was Herb? Uh, not to drag on Herb Dean, but where was Herb Dean in all of this? Like seriously. Yeah, part of the uh, he got close to stop. You could see him get kind of close a couple of times in the fourth. And unfortunately, he was deterred by uh, Cater's display of I'm still cognitively here and I'm still attempting to fight and win. And I can appreciate that that can be. Do you think he was in it in round five in the fight? Hang on. I can appreciate that that is a consideration. Okay. Using that to overshadow some of the other considerations going on there in the fourth round, I think, is a mistake. Cater was absorbing. What was Cater's a, even off? What was even his offense? Did he even have any? Like, I mean, in see. the fourth, uh, yeah. let me bring up the stats. Let me bring up UFC stats. I think they have them finalized. Because I just, what I saw, it just didn't look like he was doing anything. Of notes. Holloway versus Cater. Look at this fight in particular. If we go per round in the fourth, Calvin Cater landed 34 significant strikes of 71 attempted. Okay. Uh, sorry, is that significant or total? Sorry, I just need. Yeah, that's significant. Now, that's some of that. Worst. Some of those hang numbers on, are mis. Some of those numbers are misleading now. Well, okay. Again, one of them. Yeah, it's a little bit misleading. You have to. Now, that's not a bad stat in a vacuum, but you have to counterbalance that against Max Holloway landing 141 of 191 attempted in round four. And that's in round four. That's just round four. When you are, when you are on that end of that statistically different, a beating clearly something has gone wrong and you should probably call it a day. You also have to counter that with a bit of knowledge about the personalities involved. Max Holloway has fought 20, what, nine UFC fights, something like that. And the man has never been dropped. Think about that for just a second, which he holds the UFC record for that. He set all kinds of records with his performance last night, but he's never been dropped. That includes fights against Conor McGregor at featherweight and 
the fight with Dustin Poirier up at lightweight. 24 UFC fights. 24. Okay. Either way. I did the math. Thank you for that. No, I appreciate the correction. But if got, if those guys aren't dropping him, not to say they didn't hurt him, Poirier did several times. I mean, Cater hurt Holloway a couple of times in this fight. He had a good right at one point. Uh, Holloway ducked into an uppercut and I think the third. Uh, it's it's not like, so one, it's not like Cater had no moments of offense. But if you've not seen anything to indicate that there's going to be a meaningful opportunity to win, and you guys taking a medically inadvisable amount of damage, and I mean medically inadvisable, not just like relative to you or me, I mean medically inadvisable relative to the fight game, the fight should have been stopped. Um, the last time Holloway was in a fight scheduled for just three rounds, I think was in 2016 against, uh, Lamas. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, Lamas came after the Swanson fight, but those were the last two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this fight probably should have been stopped either in the fourth or between the fourth and the fifth. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Spectacular performance like Max Holloway. He really needed it, especially, you know, I think he lost both those fights to Volkanovsky. I don't know if you agree on that. I do. Um, he really needed a performance like this. And honestly, I'm still iffy about a possible third fight with Volkanovsky. Because, you know, here's my problem with a potential third fight. I, I just kind of don't see it going much differently unless... Holloway completely changes his approach and game plan for the fight because the second fight went pretty much the same way uh, as the first one. There wasn't much variation. It's kind of like a close kind of very even fight where I kind of gave, gave the edge to Volkanovsky. I think he edged it out. And I just think that's kind of the way those two match up. Um, so I'm not really too eager to see that fight happen a third time but i i mean i know volkanovsky's fighting uh someone else now but eh, i i just don't think i just think it's it's just an odd stylistic matchup and i think it's gonna go that way i don't know nine times out of ten or however they've already fought they've already fought two they've already fought two out of two times and it went pretty much the same way both times yeah, the differences between the first and second fight are it's not that they don't have big impact, it's that they're fairly uh they're fairly subtle distinctions that have that wind up having a big impact the longer the fight goes. Now, is Holloway one of the greatest featherweights of all time? Uh undoubtedly, for sure. Um I think I mean, he was a better even though his championship reign was not as long as Aldo, I think he was a much better featherweight champion than Jose Aldo. Exponentially. Uh, Holloway is probably also the best fighter to come out of Hawaii. And I know. Oh, BJ yeah, Penn, I would agree. And I know BJ Penn has some accomplishments that that uh, are really tough to duplicate and should absolutely be respected both winning titles in two different weight classes and being the first American to win the jiu-jitsu world championships. Look what, look, look at the gauntlet Holloway went through just to become champion. Um, um, at just like not even 30, not even 30 years old. He's yeah, still not right even now. 30, not, still not even 30 years old. 
just a guy in his 20s uh, beat Andre Philly, Clay Collard, Akira Corsani, Cole Miller. Okay, submitted Cub Swanson, uh, uh, not, um, finished Charles Oliveira, beat Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas. You know, top, I mean, some of these guys are title contenders or top-ranked competition. Or um, Anthony Pettis, a former UFC champion, um, finished him. Finished Jose Aldo two times in a row. The fight with Pettis was an interim title fight. Had to finish Jose Aldo to become champion. Then finished him again in the rematch. And then beat uh, an undefeated Brian Ortega. BJ Penn never had a gauntlet like that, ever, in his career. No, not not consecutively, no. And especially I mean, not one where he was that consistent. Also very true. Uh, Holloway is now the sole owner of so many statistics. Also, I mean, beat, also beat Frankie Edgar when Frankie was still really at the top of his game. Eh, I wouldn't say top, but he was not a he was not a schlub. Undeniably, still one of the top featherweights in the division when they fought. He was he was still up there, yeah. And, uh, I mean, form, and another former UFC champion. Um, a guy a guy that BJ Penn was never able to beat. While, while I think he Penn won the first fight in the record books, he never to beat he never beat. For, so yes, I think he is. I think you can easily say he's the best fighter to ever come out of Hawaii. Yes. I think it's safe to say at this point. I mean, look at his record. 22 and six. His record is a st- all of those losses coming in the UFC, by the way, he debuted in the UFC at four and oh, never been knocked down yet. The man threw 740, I think I think the final count here is 744 stri- significant strike attempts. If you if you go total strikes, it's fo- it's 747. Do you know how hard that is to do? That's like I think somebody did the math on this. I think it was Shane Alshadi. That's like throwing a significant strike every two seconds for 25 minutes. That is unbelievably physically taxing. And. I don't know, like, I don't know if we, we should believe this or not. Apparently, he did no sparring training for this fight. Do you believe I have, that? I don't have a problem believing he didn't do any hard sparring. Okay. Now, if you want to raise a question about the total, the overall practice as far as that goes, my, my thought tends to be the younger and earlier you are in your career, you shouldn't jump into hard sparring right away. Right. But you need it to, con- not, you need it to train. You needed to get used to that sensation because right. if all you have for live rounds is the fighting, you're going to wind up in some pretty serious deficits. By the time you get to where Max is now, give or take, he can he probably does if he does hard, he probably doesn't do hard sparring so much as hard drilling. And then any sparring he does is a bit lighter. It's a bit it's kind of to loosen up, to work combinations. But to, I also you know, think Max is a very I think he's a very unique special fighter too, though. Yeah, yeah. Training always has to be tailored to the individual fighter. Um, should fighters again once you kind of, right. especially if you're max, you know, if you're that level, if you've been doing this for you know 30 fights, however many years, 
hard sparring has diminishing returns at that point for a lot of reasons. He also said last night in in the pre- press conference, "Protect your head." Like he said, "Young fighters, protect your head and stop like killing yourself in training." That is absolutely don't, good advice. Don't take that. Don't take all that damage to the head during training. Yeah, that that's absolutely good advice. Yeah, you, your brain doesn't heal the way other things do. But Ma- oh, God. Max is now the sole owner. He was already. I think he he surpassed. No, this was it. Last night he surpassed GSP for total significant strikes either landed or thrown in the UFC, and he extended his total in the other category. He was already number one. He put another, I don't know, like 100 to 200 significant strikes over uh, Joanna, who was number two. He fought like a man possessed last night. That was, this was not the most competitive fight, as the scores will reflect. But the totality of his performance is one of the most impressive things I've seen in the UFC. I'm not saying the top, but if you tell me in no specific order, give me, you know, your... 10 most impressive performances someone has turned in in the octagon that is up there that is in that list cater was not a soft touch you know like he was not like he may not be an elite competitor but he was a he was a tough he was a tough get here so it was a good it was a very good win yeah this is a very meaningful win i you know the ufc has had one other score uh there have been a couple of other fights that have had the same total point differential at the end of five rounds that like, you know, uh, I forget the exact number, mm-hmm. uh, but there was another fight that had, I think these exact same scorecards, uh, 50, 43, 50, 42. That was rich Franklin versus David Loazzo way back in the day for the middleweight. Oh, that's a uh, blast from the past. Here's the thing about that. You can point to that fight as the moment David Loazzo's career went downhill and never recovered. The damage he suffered substantively altered his career. Yeah, that's that's again why I'm saying you got to protect like you got to protect your fighter, man. Protect your fighter. Even if it's from himself, you know. Uh, again, I don't know that Cater will have the same kind of decline that Loazzo did, but Cater's 32, and he just absorbed 445 significant strikes officially, 274 of those to the head. He probably had some damaged ribs, I don't know, broken or not, but he was hurting from those body shots at the end. It's He didn't have to take all that. He really uh, did. I think I think this kind of came up too for the rakeage fight um, with uh, Anthony Smith, and I know uh, Anthony Tichera. Smith. Smith and oh, he is Tichera. I'm sorry. That's fine. That fight was okay. So that, after that fight, he had the he had another loss to uh, rakeage, um, and he did have come back and have a decent win over Devin Clark, but. Um, they did at least stop that fight in the fifth round, and he lost teeth, right? Got some he lost teeth. teeth. He lost teeth in the fourth. He was handing them to like the ref while he was getting punched. He complained about it between rounds four and five to his corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that fight, um, for the record, also should have been stopped much earlier than it was. I think he, you know, he didn't have his. I don't. 
Like his outlook on that was not as I guess bad as people were making it out to be, which I guess you know hindsight being twenty twenty. But I I don't know. Fighters are always going to say that. They're always going to say that they are, and I don't mean this in a uh, consider what I'm saying. I mean it to be neutral in terms of judgment. Fighters are they are pathologically competitive, and they believe in themselves to the point of delusion. Delusion is a good way. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. And yeah. to be fair, if you're going to fist fight for money, you kind of have to be. I, I'm not saying. Yeah, you, know, you got to be wired a, a value judgment. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, Teddy Atlas, I think, said it the best. I, I don't think I can improve on what he said about this fight after watching it. You know, he said these guys are just like the explorers of, you know, 300 years ago. Men willing to go places no one has gone because they have to know what's there. That's what yeah. these guys. And again, that's a little bit poetic. And again, you can. Uh, which climb, Teddy Atlas you know, climbing to, to the top of Everest and it's pretty. You know, you do. You, people ask, like, why you climb Everest? It's not. It's not you don't climb Everest because it's there. You climb it because you're trying to you're trying to challenge yourself physically and mentally. You know, you're trying to you're trying to achieve something great and you're trying to like can I can I really do it? Can I really climb the highest mountain? Can I go past can I go past my limits of what I think I can do? That's why you do it, you know? And mm-hmm. I think fighters have a similar similar mentality when they step into the cage yeah you have to be uh, this is not a joke you have to be ready to die when you get into that Mm -hmm. cage because Mm -hmm. people die doing this yes but the corner the corner men should not have that same mentality and i feel they do and i think that's the problem here as i was i i agree with you that is that's a problem and i (sighs) uh, we're not again the mma culture is not going to have that come to Jesus moment until something entirely preventable and entirely catastrophic happens. I, 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 so I guess based on what you were saying, I can kind of see how Herb Dean allowed it to continue. I just wish, and not to drag on Herb Dean, just sometimes I wish he had a little more awareness uh, of some, you know, when things like this happen. Yeah. I, I would have much rather that fight were stopped, but in the fourth, but uh, again, we've kind of been over that, but yeah. Max Holloway reminds the world that he's, he's an bad, absolutely he's amazing bad fighter. Uh, I'm this particular performance, this type of performance was, like you said, necessary to kind of energize the fan base around a potential third fight with Volkanovsky. If if he'd come out and won a even clearly but kind of ho hum fight. I th- I don't think the appetite would have been there. He needed something like this. And apparently he's also kind of tossing his hat into the, you know, if Khabib was looking for someone to do something impressive lottery. Uh, which don't get I highly doubt. I, I mean, I highly doubt. De- I wanted to see that fight the first time it was. I good. did, too. Um, the more I th- I didn't like the circumstances around it, but the more I thought about how those two match up, the more I kind of went. Yeah. Yeah, hook this into my any, veins. Any this will be good. Time, any, any time that fight gets matched up, I'm, of course, going to pick Habib. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I like that matchup. I wish we got it the first time. I, 
I don't think it happens, but, um, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, Max also said, hey, I'll be here next. I'll be here for the pay-per-view in case anything happens. Like, buddy, you took some pretty heavy shots in that fight. You wouldn't be Max, medically cleared for that in seven days. Max is Max is getting better at this, though. Like, he he Max knows how to play the game. He's just he playing does. the game, and I I respect that. I respect Max a lot because he I think he's he's learned a lot over his career, and he knows how to he knows how to do this. I think better than a lot of guys. That's true. So, again, Max will probably be in the title picture uh, pending the outcome of we'll get to the fight in particular a little bit later uh, between Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. But if he does not fight for an Ortega upset is what he should be doing. If Ortega wins, that's an easy fight to make is their rematch. Easy. So he should be praying for that outcome right now. Um yeah, or you get Max moving up to lightweight still seems kind of inevitable to me. Uh, that weight cut is not getting any easier for him at featherweight, but uh, whether he chooses to do that now or later still remains to I be seen. I think he'd be competitive at lightweight, but I, I, I don't think he would beat those tougher t- tougher guys. Uh, again, some of that's going to come down to matchup. I, th- I agree with you that lightweight is a tougher division for him, to be sure, to yeah, you know, for sure. But anyway, that was your but main he event. He's going to go down as one of the greatest featherweights ever, I think. Uh, unless he does something. Uh, he would have to do something. I hate to say it this way. He would have to do something Benoit-esque to get his name whitewashed. Because even if he goes on a losing streak starting in his next fight, his body of work is just so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying even if he were to go on like a serious, like a meteoric decline. I, you know, he's still solidified a pretty impressive legacy of other way. I think. Yeah. hundred percent. So max title fight or some other really big money, op- money weight kind of opportunity next for him. Those are kind of the only options at this point. Uh, one of his most impressive performances to watch him do that the way he did it over that, ex- over that duration, just uh, max Holloway is, uh, <laughs> is the man. He is a monster in that cage. All right. Co-main event. Carlos Condit defeated Matt Brown via unanimous decision. 30-27 on all three scorecards. I didn't like 30-27. I thought Brown had the first. Uh, Condit had two and three, so the right guy wins in the end, but I, I take issue with uh, Condit getting the first. Two guys past their prime, but still went out there and... Had a fun little three-fight, kind of old-school blood and guts uh, fight. So I appreciated it. It was certainly enjoyable. Uh, I don't think any, you know, neither guy is making a legitimate run at this point in their careers for a variety of reasons. But uh, this was a fun little thing to have included on the card. I'm not complaining about it. Um, I was fine with the, the fight the fight happening. I'm kind of sad. Matt Brown loss. You know, I've always been a big Matt Brown fan. Um, good for Condit. You know, I thought his career was basically over a couple fights ago, but he's, he's managed to hang in there. Um, you know, he's not the old Carlos Condit anymore, but, uh, he was on a five fight losing streak. So he was able to snap a five fight losing streak. And I was like, 
I was with you. I never really, after the Magni fight, I never really wanted to see him fight again. Uh, so, supposedly this is the last fight on his UFC contract. Um, I don't know what they want to do with him at this point. Uh, I mean, it's a, you know, th- with the roster purges that the UFC has been promising, uh, Condit's not exactly cheap. They might let him he's go. He's 36 years old. He, you know, he's not a hot young prospect anymore. Yeah, he's he's 36. He's not cheap. He's good to have on a card in this kind of position, but he, I don't even think you. Robert, he's two and five in his last seven. That's not a good record. No, and and again, you I don't even think you're really going to main event even fight nights with Carlos Condit at this point. So it's entirely possible they just you know don't re-sign him. He you know sen- spends the I, last I, I, couple of fights. They in re-sign Bellator. him if they like if they can like figure out okay you know we like you a lot Carlos you're you're kind of nearing the end of your run. We want you to end your career here and we're going to find something for you to do once you're fully retired. Like this will be your retirement contract and we'll find something for you to do because we like you so much and you've done a lot for the sport. You've done a lot for a lot of good business for us. You've always been a good soldier for us. We're going to work something out. I can I can if that is something Dana White and the UFC brass wanted to do, I would totally be on board with that. But I don't feel like they're much in the business of even doing that anymore. You know. No, they're really not. So, again, I kind of expect to see him pop up in Bellator or PFL, have, you know, another handful of fights and then call it a day. But if if it wasn't, why why even do that? Because, like, is the money even that great for you to even do that at this point? That is a calculation that would have to be made between him and the people paying him. Let me see. Like, um, he got 315,000 for the Lawler fight. Do you think he would make not that enough. much? It was not enough for that I, fight. I mean, I agree, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, first of all, I don't know what he's making now on his current contract. Um, but this was in 2016. Do you think Bellator would pay him that much per fight? That was his they last might. title. That was his last title fight. Yeah, again, and we don't know what he's making now, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Um, Bellator might, you know, Bellator is flat out owned by Viacom. They don't, so they don't mind spending, they don't mind spending the money on occasion. But for, for, for a declining past his prime 30, you know, you throw him in there with, you throw him in there with Douglas, year old Carlos Condit. You throw him in there with Douglas Lima. Either you get a feel-good moment for the old warhorse getting a title, or Douglas Lima gets to add a legend to his resume. Okay. But or he know, does the away, I mean, or he I does or he like, does the PFL thing, like fight for a million bucks. Maybe. But if I'm Dana Wade, I'm not paying Carlos a million dollars to stay. You know. Oh no, he's. Uh, my personal attachment to Condit aside, no, he's not worth a. He's, in a purely pragmatic sense, he does not. He is not worth a million dollars. He's lucky. Arrested. He's lucky he didn't get cut after that five-fight losing streak. That's absolutely true. Good fighters. Good fighters. The U. I think I believe the UFC should have kept have been cut for much less. Much less. Oh yeah. That had, I think, way more. 
maybe not way more potential. Okay, certainly at the time they were cut, they had way more potential than Carlos does at this point in his career. Because, yeah, I mean, let's face it, 30, 30, he's had 40, he's had 45 fights at this point. And he's almost 37 years old. At this point, he's ancient. He's had, his career is almost very, it's very near the end. Very, yeah. he's nearing the end. The final, like the final stretch. If he is going to continue fighting. And, you know, during that whole stretch where he was losing five fights, like he, he was talking about all these side, but he, like he had like, he was selling medical equipment. He was selling cold brew. You know, he was doing like a cold brew coffee thing. I don't know what's going on with his businesses now, but like he was already, you know, looking at, it seemed he was busy with stuff other than fighting already. So I'm surprised he's lasted this long, quite frankly. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. He seemed to. Uh, it's good to have an eye for what you do when you're done fighting. But by the time you, a lot of fighters start looking at at that realistically, that's kind of an indicator they're near the end. So I don't know what's going to happen with Condit, but if this is his last fight in the UFC, it was a perfectly acceptable Carlos Condit fight. So more acceptable uh, than what he was doing during that losing streak, which was just horrendous. Some of that was some of that was quite bad. All right. Uh, next, Li Jing Liang defeated Santiago Ponzinibbio via knockout 425 of the first. Uh, this ended. San- Ponzinibbio had a seven fight winning streak, I think, coming into this. He was one of the top contenders and hadn't well, fought sure. since November of 2018. Twenty five month layoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly a non trivial layoff. Probably contributed to him losing here. Not. Not the only thing contributing, of course, but that's a long time to be off. And ring rust may not affect every fighter every time, but most fighters most of the time. And, you know, uh, Li Jing Long, you know. He's one of the most annoyingly he's tough, inconsistent. He, he's he's tough, a tough uh, opponent. I, I want to try and say this correct. He's yeah. certainly a tough opponent. He's got several wins in the UFC, which is not easy to do. He's got 10 wins in the UFC. A lot of people don't even have that. Time. Yeah. He's just, I can't get a handle on that guy. There's times when I'll watch him go into a fight and go, no, he's going to lose this. And then, you know, he knocks out Elias Zuzelski Dos Santos or Ponzinibbio. And then you think, you know, uh, this guy's, he's, he's pretty legit. You know, he's got heavy hands. He's a decent grappler. He's got some stuff going on. And then Jake Matthews out wrestles him or Neil Magny out wrestles him. And you kind of go, what's going on here? Inconsistent is a good way to put it. Yeah. But got a win. Got kind of reminds of me the, of Dong Young Kim, you know. Uh, I can see that comparison, yeah, in terms of career trajectories. But you know, solid win for him. One of the bigger ones. He should be staring down a top fifteen opponent again next. I'm disappointed for Ponzinibbio because that guy was not when he was on that seven fight run. Like he was not getting the respect he deserved. He really and then, wasn't. And then he just got sidelined with. He had some gnarly injuries. He had a injuries. real bad staph infection. He had a bone infection related to it. Like, he had some serious problems medically. And then what kept him out for most of last year? Was was it I just... I think the same thing. I think it was you know, that combination of, like, staph and residual infections. Um. So hopefully he can, he can hit... 
he can get back to reasonable training again and he won't be too badly affected by this because or i don't know i mean all that momentum he had he had after the magni win it's gone now like you know yeah, he it's beat out the, the crap he beat the crap out of magni too that was uh that was not an especially close fight because i think he had some he had some big mat like he was supposed to fight usman at one point uh he was supposed to fight usman at one point he was supposed to fight robbie lawler at one point yeah like that, it, it's not like there was never an attempt made to get that guy big fights. It just yeah, like bad luck. So um, he can bounce back from this, but we'll, you know, it's just it's just going to depend, like how how badly this loss will affect him mentally, and or will it drive him to uh, you know, will it light a fire him? Because you know, sometimes losses like this. Um, they won't necessarily break a fighter. They can motivate a fighter. Just depends. Yeah, one can hope. Uh, if you're in Ponzinibbio's corner, metaphorically or literally, you certainly hope that he winds up being motivated by this rather than the other, rather than the reverse. Uh, let's see. Alessio DiCirico defeated Joaquin Buckley via head kick knockout, 212 of the first. Uh, nice head kick from DiCirico. Uh, Unfortunate for Buckley, who had a fair bit of momentum after his... I mean, he went 2-1 and one in uh, 2020, but, you know, scored the knockout of the year, decade, ever <laughs> last year. Uh, just got a little bit too predictable with his entries. Then uh, this was really kind of a setup for him. I mean, I, I'm not trying to dump on Diki Rico here, but if you look at his recent performances... Uh, he, was three, he, he was 3-5 he was and five going into this fight in the UFC. Yeah, and he was on like a was he on wasn't he on like a three, three fight five, losing yeah Owen three losing streak. Yeah, they they were he was pretty clearly being set up here, but you got to go out and execute. Uh, and Buckley, uh, you know, kind of walked into a head kick. Sucks for him. Over, uh, I think he overlooked. Uh, I think he overlooked this fight. You, you know, you can't even if you're getting you know a tomato can, you can't you got you still got to crush the can. You know, you can't just if you don't crush it properly, it'll yeah. you'll trip on it. There you go. And kicking off the main card, Pulehele Soriano defeated Dusko Todorovic uh, via TKO 448 of the first. Soriano had a real rough first, like two minutes and change. But he finally started straightening out his punches, and Todorovic uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't quite adjust his defense, and so he started getting punched in the face repeatedly. Uh, he got dropped like three times. I think it was the third or the fourth time he got knocked down that we got the stoppage. Uh, Soriano, still a little raw in some respects, but the man clearly has some punching power, so good on him. And, you know, Todorovic is not a... I hope he learns from this and, and rebounds because he's shown some decent ability, not just in the UFC, but some of his more regional fights I kind of looked up, so... A good little fight to kick off our main card, and in fact, the first finish for the UFC in the year 2021. So good on Soriano for that. You got anything for that one? Nope. All right. As for the main, as for the prelims, uh, Jocelyn Edwards, I think the first Panamanian fighter to make it to the UFC, certainly the first female Panamanian, defeats Wu Yanan via unanimous decision, 230-27s, 129-28. I was 29-28, I think, but. Uh, 
not a great fight, but, you know, it existed. Uh, Carlos Felipe defeated Justin Toffa via split decision, 29-28. Up until the main event, this was probably your fight of the night. Uh, And I... Look, it's media, it's lower level heavyweights, but these two had a fun brawl for what it was. I thought Toffa won, but comes down to the third round, and I'm not complaining about 10-9 for either guy in that one. Um, Ramazan Amiv defeated David Zavada via split decision, 29-28s again. A uh, little surprised by the split here, but Amiv, I thought the uh, I thought won, so I'm not again complaining about the outcome. That was a good little fight, too. Uh, Vanessa Mello and Sarah Morris turned in one of the worst fights of the year, and I know we're only two, a little over two weeks into it, but, God, this fight sucked. And kicking everything off, Austin Lingo defeated Jacob Kilburn via unanimous decision, 230-26 and 130-27. I don't have an issue with the... I didn't give Lingo a 10-8. I forget the round. I think it was the first. Could have, uh, and I don't object to it. Um, again, decent enough little scrap, but, you know, they kind of padded this out down the card with some guys that were, you know, one and one, one and two in the UFC kind of deal. So you kind of get what you get when you watch those fights. So anyway, Jeff, again, I wasn't especially enthralled by any of the prelims, but anything stand out to you? Yeah. Um, I got a press alert cause I do get those from the UFC, even though they won't credential me. <laughs> Uh, Khabib's decision. Dana White oh, reveals yeah, today on ABC Network at 3 p.m. E- Eastern Time. So, Dana White, Khabib Nurmagomedov announcement on ABC was supposed to happen at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. It did happen. It happened after the first fight at 3:30 p.m. Um, and it was a total non-announcement. All oh, he God. said was. Did you- my favorite, my favorite take on this actually came from uh, Chuck Mendenhall on Twitter. He said, I really hope Khabib's response to coming back is maybe. And then immediately after Dana's, Dana's thing, he said, he said maybe. Uh, oh, so here's here. here I, wrote, I wrote it up. Uh, I'm going to watch this fight. Referring to UFC 257. I would never tie up the division. I would never tie up the division. Hold the belt and keep the belt away from somebody else. These guys do something something spectacular. Show me something spectacular and make me want to come back and fight. So I have the feeling if somebody delivers, it could be on the main event or co-main event. And like I said, he thought Oliveira looked good. If these guys can do something special, Khabib will fight them. What the what hell? A non- what, what a non-answer, right? What is that? That is a Dana White answer. That's all that is. Um, what? I'm waiting. I'm genuinely waiting for Khabib to come out and say, no, that's not what I said. I said I'm retired. Email alert. You're, you're, you're clogging up my inbox for that nonsense. Like, come on here. Like, were, were people, like are that many more people going to turn in to the, to the start of the ABC, ABC broadcast? Like, I don't know if that was a carny attempt at ratings or not. But I, they, think that was, I think that was more to give the UFC a bit of a good faith benefit of the doubt i think they might have just wanted to make sure that potentially anyone watching from the press wasn't going to uh, wasn't going to miss the announcement and then every fight on the prelim went to decision i know but again look we all know that hang on hang on hang on hang on 
we all, you and I both know there's plenty of websites that are going to make a lot of hay out of that non-statement. Sure. So I think they were just trying to, and I also think they were trying to pressure Khabib into saying, you know, hey, we got this big show on ABC coming up. If you, uh, if you're going to commit to something, we can announce it there. Eh? Uh, and I mean, Khabib's not going to fold under that kind of, you know, borderline bullying in the public square. Because that's just not the person he is. It, no, it, it was a. It was like a car. It was like a carny pro wrestling. It was like this was, a. This was a worse Dixie, than pro wrestling. It was like, like Dixie Carter, like we have a huge announcement kind of thing. Greatest it's night like, in the history of our sport. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah, it was basically like that. And yeah, the yeah, only thing I will, the only thing I will maybe, the only thing I will maybe excuse Dana White for here was apparently there was some chaos backstage. They didn't have, like there wasn't an opening when the broadcast started. And apparently there was some craziness backstage or some chaos. I don't know what. So it was also when you have to, the other thing about that is when you time these things out, I, you know, there's certain allowable grace periods for broadcast time that you have to kind of blend with fighters having to be up and ready to fight at a specific time. Okay. So and, there was, so there were maybe some issues there that they were not. So, but I feel like, you know, they've with, with all the Fox cards and everything, you feel like they would be a little more organized by this point, even during the pandemic. You'd like to think. Uh, yeah, it was they've a total non-announcement. Yeah. Dumb, dumb. It was, it was basically Dana coming out and going, Hey, please buy UFC 257. Like that that's kind of what it wound up being because he didn't say it's going to be for the belt. He didn't say Khabib is, he didn't say you know, we're stripping Khabib. That's now for the title. He didn't say the winner is definitely fighting Khabib. He said, you know, you guys should watch along with us and maybe the collective force of the fandom can exert enough pressure on this guy to, to come back and fight Connor again, because I really want the potential payday that represents. Does it surprise me if Khabib would come back and fight? No, because fighters are notorious liars and retirements, uh, you know, they're meaning, you know, they're meaningless. Um, unless they're medically mandated. Yeah. Yeah. They're meaningless in MMA and combat sports. So, I mean, like, come on here. I'm I'm not going to be surprised if I'm I'm annoyed because I'm annoyed back. because they get because they they sent me an email they sent me a press alert and this was not this was not worthy of a press alert I'm sorry I mean I'm not on their mailing list so they don't send me anything <laughs> but uh, I I look for uh, this was the promotional. Who was it? I stole this line because I thought it was funny when someone else said it. You know, this was about as much payoff to a setup as a J.J. Abrams television series. Sure. Yeah. It's it's just not it was just a giant nothing giant bait and switch. Shame on everyone involved for that. Um, Look, if Khabib's retired, take the belt off of him. Put it up for grabs between Dustin and Connor. It's not that complicated. If Khabib isn't retired. No. Okay. What would you prefer? Um. Justin and Connor. 
You could piss Connor off by putting it up for grabs between Hooker and Chandler. Yeah. Uh, look, if or you know, if again, if you want to wait until after Connor and Dustin, then find the winner of that fights the winner of Hooker and Chandler, or Hooker, Charles Oliveira fights Hooker somebody. Hooker lost to Poirier. Yeah, that, I'm uh, not saying it's an, I'm not saying it's an easy situation to navigate in that respect. Again, you got Charles Oliveira out there yeah, who Ferguson, just. Why did you have to lose two fights, Tony? Come on, you're oh. killing me here. He could have, he could have recovered from the loss to Gagey, but that loss to uh, that Oliveira loss is like backbreaking for his title aspirations. I don't, I don't know. It, 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 it would annoy me so much if Connor just suddenly walked back, to, walked back into the UFC title after all that. I mean, look, I don't like I don't like Connor in that respect. I but he's still highly ranked for whatever value you want to give that. Dustin Poirier just is give certainly... up the title and t- do your memorial fight with GSP. Just oh, uh, you see, Dana White said no, nah, there's no interest in Khabib versus GSP, wow. which is utter nonsense. <laughs> when, when, he didn't. I he seemed to be okay with it before. When, I, I don't when, know. Uh, I, I, that uh, that came out of, uh, I think ver- fairly recently that just he was kind of trying to shoot that down again. So that his way of saying he he's not willing to pay what they want for that fight. Pretty much. I dare these people has to be fairly compensated for what might be the biggest fight in UFC well, in other history. Words, he's not in, he's not interested in paying them what they want for the retirement fight for Khabib. He's He's not interested in. I'm gonna go out on a limb. He's not interested in paying Khabib and Connor what they would want to fight each other again for a second time. Well, we'll see. Look, if that fight, if that rematch happens, Dana says, you know, that could be a three million dollar or a three million buy pay per view. That seems to be the fight he wants more than GSP because of the grudge. Oh, of course, of course, that's what Dana wants because again, the money. Connor Khabib one is the most successful pay-per-view in UFC history. Can get into when another said, if they can get into another press conference brawl or start another riot. They don't the even need it. They, I mean they don't even need it this time around. They have all the stuff from the first one they can use. I'm sure if I'm sure if it happened he wouldn't hate it. Probably not. Uh, and again, <laughs> could look, could a rematch between those two do 3 million pay-per-view buys? Yeah, that's not unreasonable. Now, here's the flip side to that. A three million dollar, a three million pay-per-view buy. Uh, you know, Khabib should be making. What do you figure? Thirty million for that, give or take, thirty to fifty minimum. And there's no way, under God's green earth, that the UFC is going to pay a fighter ever that much money unless they are legally required to. Okay. So I I don't know. Again, look, this this felt like Dana got a bunch of answers he didn't like, but is still unwilling to come out and shoot down a couple of options and wants to keep interest high for uh, the upcoming pay-per-view event. That's what this felt like to me. I still didn't like and I'm still highly annoyed. I don't blame you for that. All right. Anyway, that was it. UFC's debut for the year of 21. UFC and ABC one. Uh. Max Holloway's performance in the main event, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, all kinds of records, all kinds of records. Uh, I mean, he, I just, I just have to say this because it needs to be said. Prior to this fight, the record for most 
significant strikes thrown in a UFC fight was, I think, 520-something between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. Max broke that on his own in this fight. I, I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around the work ethic that man has when it comes to his training to go in the cage and do that. That is, I couldn't keep that pace for one round. Pick any round of that fight. You try to match that pace for five minutes. It will leave you gasping in the fetal position, trying not to vomit. And he did that for five rounds. It, it is absolutely remarkable. All right, Wednesday the 20th, we not only have the peaceful transfer of power here in the United States, we will also have, early in the morning, UFC on ESPN uh, 20? 20. Um, I'm going to talk a little about the main Don't event. Don't blame I think... me. I voted for Cthulhu. You made the right choice. <laughs> I want to talk a little about the main event, but after that, I think we can just do quick hits. This is not an inspiring card. Anyway, main event is a relevant welterweight uh, fight between Michael Chiesa and... The card has Roxanne Modafferi. It's better than Jessica I potentially being on the main card for 257. Uh, Anyway, Michael Chiesa has looked pretty good since moving up to welterweight. Um, He's won three in a row. Submitted Carlos Condit, beat both Diego Sanchez and Rafael Dos Anjos via clear-cut unanimous decisions. He's a big, rangy guy, good at finding the back. Good grappling, good wrestling. By contrast, we have Neil Magny, who's on a three-fight winning streak as well. He's 5-1 and one in his last six. Beat Robbie uh, Lawler. Robbie Lawler in his most recent Lee fight. Lee Long, who looked really impressive last night. Yeah, uh, the winner of this isn't going to be in the immediate title picture, but they will probably be due a top, uh, you know, a top shelf fight. Kiesa is ranked in the top ten right now. And I think he's probably around there. He's number eight. Magni is number nine. So it's a solid top ten. It's a solid top ten fight. Uh, I. Um, yeah. Magni's another guy I never have a real handle on whenever he takes a step up in competition. Uh, I mean, t- I mean, inconsistent is a good word for him, you know? There is a level of opposition that Magny will consistently beat, and I'm not sure if Michael Chiesa is at that level or above it. Hmm. I kind of like Chiesa. Um, I th- think they match good- up very well. I think it's a I good matchup. We're going to see a lot of clinching, I think, a lot of yeah. kind of grappling in that respect. And both men can wrestle. Uh, I think Kiesa's ability to find the back is going to be a big part of this because Magni will give up his back a lot. Uh, I'm going to pick Kiesa, but this is a really, like I said, this is a really competitive matchup on paper. Could go either way. And if either guy just blows the other one out of the water, they will, they should at that point have a pretty good beat on fighting somebody near the top five. I'm picking Kiesa by by submission. Yeah, I think the longer this goes, the more it favors Magny. Uh, we've seen Magny fight five rounds True. before. I mean, Magny's a good. I mean, he's a good fighter, but like you know, 
whenever it seems like he's got he's got something going, he gets submitted I, by Dusanyos or Damian Maya, that kind of thing. I just don't think I can pick him now that he's adopted that weird accent. What is he talking in a weird accent now? Uh, yeah. He's from he's from Brooklyn. Like, what is his what is the accent he's using? Um, I think right now he fights out of either Haiti or the DR. Well, so he fights out of Colorado still, but I think he he's changed his nickname to the Haitian Sensation, and he's got kind of that uh, Caribbean accent going on a little bit. Is I don't know in, if he lives. Is he is he in the tilt status? I don't know. I don't know if he's doing it because it amuses him. I don't know if he married someone from that part of the world and their accent is rubbing off on him, which happens all the time. Is he of is he is he of Haitian descent? Prob. If he's going to claim the nickname, he's from Brooklyn. Again, if he's going to claim the nickname, I'm going to assume he is not more than two generations removed from his ancestors from someone says in his Haitian, Haitian and Dominican descent. So maybe I. So maybe, maybe he were, lost it and he picked it back up, but could be. Uh, again, the way accents change over time is actually a fascinating thing to kind of study and look at. But yeah, his made me kind of chuckle when I heard it. So especially because I remember him from the Ultimate Fighter, you know, when he was as straight laced as you could get. So anyway, that's your main event. Pretty good fight. It reminds me of this Mackenzie Dern. Well, Dern at least, Dern at least like splits her time living between both places and has enough people in her immediate social circle that are either Brazilian, that either are Brazilian, so only speak either Portuguese or accented English. Like, again, accent confusion like that is a real phenomenon. And it's, again, a very interesting one if you want to look up how language develops in that respect. Uh, so rest of this card, Worley Alves fights uh, Munir Lezez. I actually kind of like Lezez. Alves is a little underappreciated, but uh, he's been off for, uh, he fought, He's been out for over it. <clears throat> excuse me. He's been out for over a year, and lost to Randy Brown last time out. I'm going with Lizaz. Uh Isaac Villanueva will fight Vinicius Mojea. Probably go with Villanueva there, but you know, low-level light heavyweights. The aforementioned Roxanne Modafferi and Viviani Araujo. Um, Viviani's she had the loss to I, but that's her only loss in the UFC. Uh. Roxy's not really a, you know, she's not an easy out, but I think they are kind of trying to see what they can get out of Araujo here. Uh, let's see, Matt Schnell and Tyson Nam. That's a good fight, actually. It's a really good fight. Uh, Schnell, a really solid technician, both on the ground and on the mat, coming off a loss to Alessandre Pantoja, but had a good winning streak going before that. And Nam finally got to the UFC not too long ago. Uh, in fact, just in 2019, has gone two and two since then, but he's won his last two. Uh, he's back down at flyweight for the first time in a while, actually. His previous two were at bantamweight, in the, or his last one at the... I think both of his last fights have been at bantamweight here in the UFC, yeah. I actually kind of like Schnell if we're all the way down at flyweight. I don't think Nam's physique is kind of built for 125 anymore. Uh, featherweight, Lerone Murphy and Douglas Silva de Andrade. I don't mind picking... Douglas Silva de Andrade here, but Murphy's uh, Silva, sorry, Silva de Andrade is coming up from, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go with Silva, but again, 
close one. Omar Yakhmedov and Tom Breeze will fight. Probably Breeze there. Let's see, Ricky Simone and there's no way this was his original opponent. Who's supposed to fight? Oh, maybe it was this. Jeez. Uh, anyway, he's fighting. Uh, I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name. I apologize. Um, Gitano Pirello. Depending on where he's from, that last name is pronounced very, could be pronounced a few different ways. Uh, we have another flyweight fight, Sue Mudarji versus uh, Zarak Adeshev. Mudarji looked, I'm sorry, Sue. He's got a weird name. Like, I actually think his, I actually think Sue Mudarji is just his family name and the other one is even longer. But I, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, uh. Adeshev got knocked out by Tyson Nam last time, whereas Mudarji uh, Sue looked really good in his flyweight in his return to flyweight when he just beat the crap out of Malcolm Gordon. Probably go with Sue, but again, that one could go either way. Middleweights, Dalcha Lungiambula will fight the Joker Marcus Perez. Uh, probably Perez there, but Lungiambula is an explosive fighter. Uh, another flyweight, Francisco Figueredo, will fight Jerome Rivera. Probably re- go with Rivera there, but... Uh, having another f- uh, flyweight named Figueredo who messes people up would be amusing. Lightweight, Mike Davis and Mason Jones. I don't know either of these gentlemen. I'll go with Davis. And kicking everything off, uh, Victoria... Le- oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, women's flight. Victoria Leon- Leonardo. Sorry, I was thinking of somebody else. Victoria Leonardo, who is coming off of a contender series win, will fight Marion uh, Manon. Excuse me, Manon Foiro. I need to know where that woman is from to try and pronounce that last name correctly. If it's French, I'm. If it's French, I'll stand by my pronunciation. If it's non-French, it is French. Okay, I'll go. So I'll go with Foiro until I hear potentially otherwise. Um, oh, apparently we will also have Umar Nurmagomedov and Sergei Morozov. Uh, Morozov, I th- he's Kazakh. I think he's... Has he fought in the UFC? No, not yet. Okay, there's a, another guy with a similar name. Whereas Umar Nurmagomedov, also making his UFC debut. Must be confusing him with a different... There's another Nurmagomedov in that same bantamweight division I'm probably confusing him with. Uh, I'll go with Nurmagomedov there, but that could be a sneaky good fight, actually. Uh, bantamweight's a really, really good division. So anyway, that's the rest of that card. Jeff, on the off chance, anything in that stick out to you? Anything you want to talk about? Mm, nope. Alrighty. Let us move on, then, to the big event, the one you're all listening to hear us talk about. <laughs> UFC 257. The UFC is back on pay-per-view. Main event. Oh, God. Jessica I is on the main card. Why are you doing this? Why? Why do you put that woman on the main card of Conor McGregor pay-per-views? It makes no logical sense. Anyway. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, main event. These two fought several years ago. Uh, down at Featherweight. More than several. How long ago was that? Gee, I think I 2014. That so September of 14. So over six, six. over six. To me, six uh, is more than several. Fair enough. 
Dustin, you know, Dustin Poirier's excursion at lightweight has been marred only by a kind of, I wouldn't say fluke, but flashy knockout, more flashy than, you know, substance knockout to Michael Johnson. And then the loss to Khabib Nurmagomedov in a title fight. And it was at he- uh, featherweight. Yeah, the fight between Poirier and McGregor Connor, back in featherweight. Yeah. Uh, Connor, by contrast, has not fought. And he fought about a year ago when he ran over Donald Cerrone like he was a truck and Cerrone was a bump in the pavement that needed to be smoothed out. Prior to that, McGregor hadn't fought since October of 18 when he was submitted by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, this fight is... Gr- I've always kind of liked this fight on paper. It's grown on me more the more I've thought about it. I don't like it. Uh, okay, why not? I'm curious. Should be Tony Ferguson. The guy who just lost? Yeah. Uh, if Tony had be even if Tony had beaten Charles, I don't think he was in line for this fight. So what? Look, I want look. Tony should absolutely have made more money than he did, and I. But he is where he is right now, and it sucks. But the fight with uh, Cerrone wasn't even at lightweight. No, that was at welterweight. That's true. <laughs> Conor McGregor's career record at lightweight in the UFC is one and one. Oh, God. I have to remember, remind myself of that on occasion because it amuses me. Yeah. Uh, look, Connor, setting aside gimmickry, and I don't, I don't mean to insult anyone, for any big fans of Connor who are screaming at me, for the first seven minutes of a fight, Connor McGregor might be the most, di- one of the most, is certainly one of the most difficult fighters to deal with in the sport. He is sharp. When that, that first round and a half ish especially if the first round goes well the first round goes well for connor uh the second round can go well after that things drop off but he is a he is a unbelievably difficult challenge for that seven and a half minute stretch of time he moves very well he sets up his he sets up his counter shots. He pressures you. He stabs at you with kicks. He gets you to overcommit on counter on you know trying to counter him. He clobbers you. He has significant power. He varies his offense. That that first round decides pretty much the fight. If Connor can dictate things to you in that first round, he can probably either get you out of there in the second or build up enough of a lead to not have to worry too much as the fight goes on. But Connor historically fades. Anyone who's been able to extend him has found either six has found success later. Even in fights, he's won. the third round and on is not his friend. He can, he, you know, I mean, his fourth round against Nate Diaz in their second fight was impressive because Batman dug deep, you know, whatever else you want to say about McGregor as a personality he gutted through that fourth round to win it and make sure he was able to win the fight. And that certainly what about the third round against Khabib? Oh, it was a 10, eight. He lost it horribly. Okay. Weren't people sorry, saying, sorry, sorry. Third, hang on, hang on. Sorry. Sorry. Third round against Khabib. Connor won. Okay. I, I confused it with the second there in my head, but even then that was more, 
Connor won that round more because Khabib took it off to reapply pressure in the fourth okay. and because of anything spectacular he did. Right. It wasn't really that impressive of a round for Connor. It wasn't an impressive round by any measure. It's just one of those five minute stretches that exists. Uh, Dustin Poirier, by contrast, the man is just built for war. He has waded into the depths of hell multiple times. Uh, he went to hell with Eddie Alvarez twice. He went into hell with Justin Gaethje, with Max Holloway, with Dan Hooker. With Khabib. Uh, yeah, he, that was more one-sided, but yeah, he went in there and he fought I mean, he had, he had a couple moments against Khabib. He, yeah, he had a really nice shifting right hand in the second round that, look, I don't care what people say about Johnson hitting him. The punch Poirier hit him with is the most significant strike Khabib's uh, ever yeah, he, he gave Khabib a better fight than Connor did, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. So the question just kind of becomes, can Poirier avoid that early onslaught from McGregor and either drag this late or potentially catch him in that first in that opening stanza and force a change of conditions for Connor? Both men fight southpaw. Uh, Poirier, one of Poirier's better punches is his shifting right. So he kind of starts out and he starts out southpaw, throws a bit of a left as he steps through, then either uses the, the now lead hand to throw another jab, then the looping right to kind of steer you into it, or just the looping right. I mean, he clipped Max Holloway with that and hurt him. He caught Khabib with it. It's a really good punch. Uh, Poirier, the more well-rounded fighter of the two. I don't think that's terribly in dispute. I expect Poirier to try and slow the first round down, clinch, wrestle, and then try to drag this out later. Uh, as far as predict, as far as predictions, either guy could win this, and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, again, Connor in the first round, Connor has the capability of beating anyone in that division. Now, likelihood that'll change depending on the specific matchup, but. I would not be surprised to see him beat anybody early. He's that's just where his skill set shines the most. I do kind of favor Poirier here in this fight. His defense has changed a lot since their first encounter. Poirier at lightweight seems able to absorb a bit more damage. And he's a serious power puncher. He goes upstairs and downstairs both very well. He's been through wars and that will catch up to him, but Again, I just, That's I my kinda, main concern. That's my main concern for this fight. And it's a real one, but I, I lean towards Poirier a little bit, but uh, I, again, I don't hate this fight given, you know, given what it is. Uh, I'm, honestly, I'm rooting for Poirier on an emotional level, not just because I'm not a big fan of Connor, but I want to see the UFC's apple cart turned over in this respect. Uh, that, that would just make me happier. <laughs> Than the reverse. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on it. Jeff, how about you? What do you got? Um, I'm picking Poirier, even if it's illogical, even if it even if it makes no sense, even if he lost the first fight in 2014. Do I want the apple cart turned over? Yes. Um, Let chaos consume you. It's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially after that phony press alert from yesterday i thought in 2014 poirier even had the tools to beat mcgregor back then and i think he more than does now as well 
I, cause I think he, his, his standup game, his striking game has gotten even better than it was in 2014. And that was, I think that was the big mark against him back at that time. His, his defense at that time was the same thing. He'd always respond the same way, whatever you yeah. did to him striking. He had the same response. As soon as Connor figured that out, he just capitalized on it and knocked him out. He's a battle. He's a battle tested veteran. Um, He's a better grappler than Connor. He has better submissions than Connor. Um, Connor, I think, tends to fight with his chin a lot and tends to leave his head open a lot. I don't think Connor's defense is that great. And it's I think not, he, he gets he gets hit a lot. You're right. I think he. <laughs> I think he. If Poirier can have that have that tightened up defense and exploit those openings that Connor tends to leave a lot. I think he can win this fight. Um and I don't know. I I, I the boxing I don't think Connor is that great of a boxer either for that matter. You know? I think Jake Paul would probably give him trouble, Robert. Um, no, <laughs> no, uh, I, I understand. Hang on. Jake's the smaller one. So even the, I mean, Logan Paul, at least is a large person, Jake, not as big as his brother. No. Okay. I, I don't care what, maybe I don't I, care I, what, maybe I spoke too hastily there, but look, Jake Paul couldn't give Conor McGregor trouble in a thumb wrestling match, much less a boxing bout. I, I, I think it's arguable to say Conor is the best boxer in the in the UFC. I don't know if I would. I don't think I agree with that, frankly. Uh, I don't. I don't think Conor is the best boxer in the UFC. Yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, especially because most of Conor's game is set up by his kicking. I think Stipe is probably a better boxer, honestly. Uh. In terms of pure boxing, I think that's probably accurate. You might, you could pro- certainly make that case if nothing else. I mean, at least, at least Stipe has that Golden Gloves background, and Connor does not. You know, and Connor has fought a grand total of one boxing fight, which he lost. So, I mean, how good is his boxing really? You know, it's kind of an open question, uh, especially uh, as. Especially because most people who only watch MMA don't understand the difference between boxing and punching. Like I think Connor was like Connor was getting snippy about um, Holloway saying he's like the best boxer last night, and I'm like, well, I mean, where do you get off dictating like like Connor is not in the position to dictate the authority or the hierarchy of the best boxing in the UFC. I'm sorry, he's not. He just isn't. I- that I would agree with. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Poirier. Yeah. Go, Poirier, I'm rooting for you. Make it happen. The pat, let, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. It's the only way you'll become who you were supposed to be. Uh, this will only be better if Poirier brings out a bottle of his hot sauce after he wins and then, like, breaks it over Connor's head. Then Just I, for full th- wrestling. Then I, then I, then I hope he gets on the mic and he's like, Jake Paul, you and your dog suck. Go to hell. <laughs> Poirier is entire. Poirier 
Poirier's class as a human being is so high above the antics of the Paul brothers, <laughs> he would never address them. Uh, still, he would, still, that kind of ticks me off. Poirier could beat the both of them if they fought two on one. Okay. Well, sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go that far. Fighting two on one, even if there's a significant size and or skill differential, it, the gr- the difficulty in overcoming from one to two is not a is not just doubled. It like it goes up by it's like the Richter scale. It goes up by orders of magnitude. So anyway, that's your main event. Co-main event, uh, Dan Hooker and just, Michael Just Chandler. get on the mic and say, Jake Paul, I could give two craps about your Instagram, your pet's Instagram followers. I don't know. Something clever. I just, honestly, I just wouldn't even address them. Probably. Still, Look, you, still makes me angry. I don't know eh. why. You don't want to be angry at them. Just ignore them. They, but they that, make they, me angry. They make me angry, Robert. Like, like, ugh. yes, because you have no control over yourself. Well, thanks. <laughs> Look, I it's a it's a realization I had to come to about myself. I uh, I let a lot of things anger me that shouldn't. I let myself be offended a lot more than I should have, and years ago. If you're if you're just an amoeba responding to external stimuli then okay, but you're not an amoeba, you're a human being. If you choose to get angry, fine. That's that's your choice, but it, cannot, but, you know, it is your choice, it is not theirs. All right, anyway, co-main event, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler. Uh, Hooker coming off of, boy, that man got put through the ringer in 2020, didn't he? Uh, fought Paul Felder in a war, and then Dustin Poirier in a war. Now he's uh, fighting Michael Chandler, who's finally making his UFC debut. Yeah, Chandler coming off of, uh, he knocked out Benson Henderson uh, back in August of 2020. Um, I don't know. I, I, if I this kinda... were, Let me put it this way. If <sighs> this were five rounds, I would pick Hooker uh, without too much consideration. Only three, Chandler has a much better chance of winning. I still kind of favor Hooker, but uh, you know, Chandler's got power in his hands. He's uh, got good wrestling. He knows how to fight along the fence. He's no one He's to also take light. fighting in the UFC now. He's not in Bellator anymore. That is also true. So again, I I favor Hooker, but only over three rounds. I I will not be surprised if Michael Chandler wins. Just gonna put it like that. Slight edge to Michael Chandler here. Just how is he going to adjust to the UFC fighting in the octagon first UFC fight? Here's the other thing. I feel like the time to get a guy like Chandler was kind of like five, six years ago and not right now. I think that's, to me, that's fair. Cause to me now it's kind of like bringing in, um, Ben Askren when they got him. Well, Chandler's not that old. Hang on. I'm Chandler's 34. That. He's 34. Was Askren, what, 38 when they brought him in? Oh, he wouldn't. No. No. He's not even 38 now. No way. So, so he would have been. Are you sure? Askren is 36. Okay. So he was 30. 
He was probably around 36 when they brought him in. He fought. He didn't fight all that long in the UFC. So 35, 36. His UFC debut was in March 2019 for the Lawler fight. So that was so that was was just under two years ago. So he probably would have been, yeah, fairly close. I mean, 35 probably if I had to guess. Again, it'll depend on specifically what month he was born, which is somewhat irrelevant to the distinction at that point. He was 30, uh, at that point, he was 34, so there you go. Okay. Uh, the only thing in Chandler's favor relative to the Askren situation is Askren had also kind of been like semi-retired for a while, whereas Chandler has been active, uh, if nothing else. And again, you can make jokes about the level of opposition in Bellator. He's been in a, lot of, he's been in a lot of tough battles, too, though. He had... Yeah, his fights with Eddie Alvarez, uh, those were both tough. His fights with uh, the Pitbull, with Patricio, uh, when he got knocked out in that fight. The Will Brooks fights were not easy. And Will Brooks did not, he kind of washed out of the UFC pretty quickly. That's true. So yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see Chandler. They got Will Brooks coming off of the, the Eddie Alvarez, you know, series. Mm-hmm. And Brooks did not. He couldn't cut the mustard. So I'm not saying that's like an exact. That's never an exact science because it never is with MMA math. But I, I, we'll we'll see how he does in his UFC debut. Some guys, you know, some guys have trouble adjusting. Some guys need a couple fights to kind of really find their footing in the UFC. Some guys are impressive right off the bat. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, but. Uh, I'm giving a slight edge towards Chandler. Now, is Chandler the greatest boxer ever? No, but I think Chandler does have fairly decent boxing for MMA. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I worry about Chandler's leg. He's he's had problems with leg kicks before, and Hooker throws a mean leg kick. He's a good kickboxer. Good striker. But, yeah, we got a couple of lightweights at the top of the card. I'm just going to do the rest of this card, and we're going to do quick yeah. hits, because this is not a deep card. Yep. <laughs> Next yep. up, we have Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood. Joanne Calderwood, please, don't do this to me. Don't make me suffer through more Jessica I fights. I beg of you. Jessica uh, lightweight with this fight. She could. Look, again, my jokes about Jessica I aside, I will continue to make them, but the woman has wins in the UFC. And you know what? That's not nothing. And I, I like JoJo, but she's very inconsistent as well. Yeah, she lost a title shot because she decided to fight Jennifer Maya and then got submitted. Uh, again, I'm, I'm pulling for Calderwood, but you never know. You, Women's flyweight is in such a constant state of flux outside of the champion that who knows. Uh, Matt Frivola against Otman, against Otman Isatar. Um, this is a step up for Isatar. Frivola, Frivola's not, he's a tough out. He's a he's on a two-fight winning streak, I think. I mean, Isatar, 2-0 and in the UFC, both knockouts, both in the first round. Uh I kind of favor Isatar, but if Frivola can either avoid his power early or just kind of gut through it, uh, what Isatar's made of down the stretch is still something of a question mark. Uh, Marina Rodriguez will fight Amanda Hibas. 
Um, Hiba seems to be kind of, you know, surging. She beat Paige Van Zant last week, uh, last year, last week. Uh, Rodriguez suffered her first ever, lo- her first uh, career loss when she fought Carla Esparza. So we actually do have two kind of promising fighters for the division. I kind of favor Hibas at this point in time, though. Anyway, that's your main card. Why Jessica I is on the main card of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view is beyond me, but I don't put them together. Uh, as for the prelims, Nasrat Hakparast and Armin Sarukian, have they? I feel like these two fought before. No? They have not. Okay, I am misremembering. That's a darn good fight, actually. Uh, Sarukian is a really, really good fighter. Hakparast is a good fighter. That's, that should be on the pay-per-view card. Like, just make it a lightweight affair. This should have been on the pay-per-view. I like I Sarukian sh- as far as I was shocked Brad Tavares is still in the UFC. Yeah, Brad Tavares against Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr. I mean, Tavares is only on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, but he's probably closer to the bubble than not these days. Uh, Shoeface also lost two in a row. I kind of thought there was an argument for him in the Hall fight. Um, I, I like Shoeface here. Let's see, Juliana Pena will fight Sarah McMahon. Logically, this should be Pena, but that woman has had so many false starts to her. Uh, her I mean, she was doing pretty well in the Jermaine Durandamy fight before she got choked out in the third round. Guillotined by Durandamy. Oof. Uh, it, she's had a lot of false starts and stops to her career, whereas McMahon never quite panned out. Uh, you know, I mean, I know she had the title fight at one point, but she's been kind of at the 500 mark since. So should be Pena logically, but again, kind of who knows at this point with those two. Light heavyweight Khalil Roundtree Jr. and Marching Procneo. Uh, Procneo on a three-fight losing streak. Not good. He's 0-3 in the UFC. Why is he still there? He's been finished in all of them. In the first round. Okay, he's there to give Khalil... At this point, he's there to give Khalil Roundtree a, a rebound win after Iwan Kutalaba elbowed him into the ground. Uh, Roundtree's been out for over a year. Uh, he should win this fight, though. Then our early prelims, Andrew Sanchez will fight Mahmoud Muradov. I kind of like Muradov there. I mean, Sanchez uh, had a decent win in his last fight, but I'm still not sold on the guy. Uh, we have a catchweight fight at 150 uh, between Movsar Evloev and Nick Lentz. Uh, I like Evloev there. Uh, I think they were supposed to fight earlier, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and kicking everything off at flyweight, Amir Albazi and Zalgas Zhumagulov. Uh, I kind of like Zhumagulov there, but again, uh, flyweights both still kind of finding their way in the UFC. Could be a, could be a good fight. So, all right, Jeff, anything from the rest of that card that draws your interest? That about does it for me. All right, again, not a great card. Uh, man, for a while, again, when all they had was Poirier McGregor, like, you looked at the rest of that card and went, there's nothing here. <laughs> there's just nothing. Hooker and Chandler uh, did them a solid by making that happen. Anyway, uh, Saturday, coverage in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. Wednesday, coverage as well, so please stop by for both of those. Say hello, I appreciate it. All right, the only bit of news that I have here... 
Okay, we have the main of the top two title fights for UFC 260. The UFC revealed early uh, during the fight week. Rematch for the heavyweight title between Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. I assume that's the main event. And for the featherweight title, Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. Um, this puts Ortega in a bit of an untenable position if he loses. Uh, to lose to both Max and Volkanovsky would kind of be the end of his title aspirations for a bit. Uh, for I shouldn't say forever, but it'll be a while to rebuild from that. Uh, Stipe Ngannou, too. It's kind of the only fight that makes sense. Um, I still favor Stipe pretty heavily. Ortega's lucky to be in that situation, but I, you know, I look if, if Zabit had dictates, dictates it, I guess. There's a bit of that, and look, there's the fact that you know Zabit won't fight anyone over five rounds, or you know won't sign to fight certain people on short notice. Uh, to be abundantly clear, he's not obliged to do either of those things unless he signs to fight for a five-round fight, but. Zabit could have put himself in a better position to make his case uh, than he is right now. Did they offer Some of that, for this fight to Zabit, or what's... Uh... This fight, no. It, it's just, you know, uh, a couple of times when the Yair Rodriguez fight fell out, they offered him other fights, and none of them were accepted. Now, again, how much of that is him as a person? How much of that is his manager? Who knows? I don't care. I'm speaking purely he, about the situation. He didn't fight last, wow, he didn't fight last year at all. No, he did not. Okay. It's kind of an iffy situation, but yeah. At least he at least he won at least he won a fight at least fairly recently. Yeah, I mean if Ortega had lost to the Korean zombie, this would have been the zombie shot, right? Right. Right. So And Sipe and Ganu too. I still think Stipe kind of just does what he did in their first fight and wins, but... As do I. By the same token, man, Ngannou knocked out a bunch of people in a row, and you got to reward that in some capacity. You so do, you he's do, got, but... If he loses he again... That, the way he fought that first fight was ridiculous. Yeah, I expect him to perform better this time. Again, I'm still... If he wins, I will not be shocked. I, just, again, for the record... <laughs> I'm still I'm picking Stipe. I'm, I'm still picking Stipe. But if he loses again in kind of the same way, that's that's a big problem for his career because he's proven that he can beat the majority of that division. But if you can't beat the champion, especially if you lose to him twice in the same fashion, that puts you in a, uh, the old Rich Franklin spot, right? That's not uh... a good spot. Right, and also it looks like they're going to do Jimmy Crute versus Johnny Walker for this card. It's a good fight. Yeah, it's, it's a, a fun, fight. a fun light heavyweight fight. Um, you can't say about most light heavyweight fights. And another light heavyweight fight: Modestus Bukaskis, uh, Bukaskis, and Michal Oled. Okay, I will save. Hang on, hang on, I'll save you. It's Modestus Bukowskis and Mikhail Oleksijek. Oleksijek. Thank you, Robert. I I apologize, Mikhail uh, Oleksijek. Dude, I this is not a joke. I, I, I can't speak any other language but English, but at this point, I've seen enough MMA and heard enough you know pronunciations and whatnot. I'm halfway yeah. decent at picking out how things should be should be 
said phonetically, even if I do sound like a toddler sounding things out. Yeah, you should teach a course on this at the at the PI. <laughs> like here's how, journalists. here's how no, no, it would be for fighters. Here's how not to butcher your opponent's name. When <laughs> there, you there you go. There you go. Anyway, yeah. So UFC 260 taking shape. You know, that's not a you know those top two fights. Those are solid fights. They stay so, together as long you know if they can stay together. I mean, enormous caveat there. That's true. But you know, the UFC still have the all UFC, this craziness running during the pandemic. But yeah, the UFC's pay-per-view schedule for the first quarter of 2021. Again, you've got 257, 258, 259, and 260. Uh, 258 is probably the weakest of those four, but that's a solid. Uh, well, here's my problem. Solid line. Here's my problem. Um, since I didn't talk about this before on the show, the 259 lineup, I don't like three title fights on one card. It's just, I, I, I think it's just too much. It's. I like yeah, all those fights, but like you're, you're just tempting fate too much um, because they all go the distance. It, it just, yeah. When you have three title fights all going the distance, it just kills the pacing kills it and you know especially since we are in this never-ending pandemic um i think you want to spread those fights out a little bit more but not my call i yeah again i agree with you there again three title fights is pushing it if they all go the distance you're looking at an extra Oh, because you block out. How much do you block? You block out about 45 minutes of airtime for a title fight between walkouts, introductions, fights, time between rounds, yep. and then the announcements. Mm-hmm. You block out somewhere around 40, 45 minutes. If all three of those go the distance, you're tacking on almost, you know, two hours of extra, of, of extra you know. Okay, so doing best stuff. fight there to me is Patreon versus Aljamain Sterling. Um, love that fight. Love that fight. That's the fight. I'm I'm happy that fight's happening, and they're not doing like there's hold together, hold together. Yeah, because <laughs> that that is that's the number that's the number one and two guy in the division. Sterling more than earned that shot. He deserves that shot. That's the fight that that's the fight that should happen. Blahovich versus Adesanya. I'm iffy on that. I think Whitaker is partially to blame on that. Um, uh, I, you know, the way Whitaker responded after some of the alleg- uh, some of what Dana White said, I'm not sure how much of that's on Whitaker. Some of, of it is. On- some of it is on Whitaker. Some of it. Sure. He was very not. I'll tell you why. He was he was very noncommittal after after the um the win over um Cannonier. And Jerry Kenanier. Um he and he he didn't say he didn't want to fight out Asanya, but I think he basically said that he's in no hurry for that fight. I, yeah, I think it might have been a I think it might be, have been a timing thing more so than a desire. Like I, I'm willing to fight Adesanya, to me, but around X date and they wanted it sooner. To me to me that's just to me in the UFC's eyes, that's basically like saying you don't really want that fight. Well, the UFC thinks you don't want the fight if you don't want to do it at three in the morning for peanuts because they because it will amuse Dana and company after a drunken bender. 
Um, yeah, well, I, I'm saying he, he, I'm saying Robert Whitaker should have been more outspoken about wanting that rematch if he really wanted that rematch. Okay, I think that, and I think that's a fair point. I mean, I also blame the light heavyweight division for sucking. And I just mean it like this. Who's Adesanya jumping over unfairly here? Because the answer's nobody. Um, Glover Teixeira. I don't even think he's unfairly jumping over Glover. Wow. Look, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't object to Glover versus Jan at all. But you're given one of your bigger... If, I mean, here's the thing about that. The UFC wants the fight that will draw the most money, right? Yeah. The fighters want the fight that will draw the most money for them. And if you're Jan Blahovich and the UFC presents you with two options, you can fight Glover Teixeira or you can fight Israel Adesanya. Right. Which of, the, which of these represents the biggest payday? The answer is clearly Adesanya. Um... I guess I just, uh, you know, I don't, to me, it's not the worst matchup to make. I'm just, I don't know. You're always I, a little bit leery when they do stuff like this. Cause you don't want pure chaos across two to three divisions. I mean, for Adesanya, it's, ba- it's basically win, win for him. Cause even yeah. in a loss, he's, he's still the middleweight champion and he's still like the best guy in that division. And I, and I still sort of pick him over most of the top contenders in that division. Pretty um, handled in some cases. But I feel like the fight he wanted was John Jones. And I guess John Jones is still looking to fight at heavyweight. So I don't, I don't know. Dude, have you seen some of John's picks lately? No. He is jacked. He has put on a lot of weight. He, um, and I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, he's put on muscle. If he is making a move to heavyweight, he's serious about it. He's, he's putting in the reps in the gym. Okay. For that. So here's what Addis, here's what Whitaker said about the Adesanya fight. Uh, it's not something that I need to chase because I know it's going to happen. That's why after I lost to Izzy, I wasn't rowing for a rematch because I knew that if I beat the guys they put in front of me, I'll get there eventually. I want to run that fight back with Izzy, but I'm in no rush. I'm not going anywhere. I know he's doing some things. Okay. So Whitaker may be trying to be the company guy and said, as far as you want to give Adesanya a chance to do something, you know, record making, et cetera, then I'll, I'll, I'll keep so winning. This was after, this was after the Cannoneer. This was after the Cannoneer thing. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just feel like, to me, that was too noncommittal. If That's... he'd made a big deal about it, then I, I can see some of the public sentiment. By the same token, he also got knocked out clean inside of two rounds when he did fight Izzy. And I think, much as I think a rematch would look different, that's a tough thing to overcome from a PR standpoint. Um, I'm just saying Whitaker, you know, Whitaker doesn't play the game that well. He doesn't play the game the way most people play the game, I think, is uh, is fair. And you're correct. He d- he didn't do the best great, job advocating for himself. Great, fight, great fighter, though. I mean, oh, not tremendous. questioning his... 
skills. Dude, he's, been to, yeah. he's been to hell more than once. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You know, great family man by all accounts. You know, Whitaker is, uh, I love the guy yeah, as far as fighters go. He's great. But I, I think that's kind of fair that, you know, he didn't come out and maybe advocate for his position to the, ba- to the maximum potential. Uh, as for Jan Blahovich, I hope this decision doesn't come back to haunt him, but we'll see. Eh, he's gonna, dude's gonna cash a fat check. I mean, I mean, other. you know, not at his age. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take those big paydays when they come. And yeah, uh, again, this might be unduly I was, harsh, kind, kind of towards Glover. I was still so impressed a, with his fight with Reyes. And you know, everyone was over. Everyone was over hyping Reyes after the Jones fight. You know, Blahovich for a guy that just kind of had to keep plugging away at it. Yeah. You know, not uh, I'm not not a one to one comparison, but you know, you think of some of the other fighters that just they were in the game for a long time. They had their ups and downs, and they just kept swinging the old axe at the tree. You know, Robbie Blahovich, Lawler. Lawler, Bisbing, there's uh, another one. We're just perseverant to the end. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I respect from that a lot. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard to maintain motivation and, and you know, drive and focus in the wake of repeated setbacks. And Blahovich has had some serious setbacks, but dude kept on. He kept swinging, and uh, all credit oh. in the world to him. So the third fight, and the third fight for this card is uh, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson for the, the commemorative Cyborg title. Um, uh, that's somehow this, still in existence. At this, hang on, at this at this point, it's the Nunes Memorial title. No, uh, no, it's the Cyborg I, Memorial. No, title. no, I, they they may have created that division for Cyborg, but they're keeping it around for Nunes. Well, the reason I call it's the Cyborg title because they created it for her. So, okay, fair enough. It's the um, Stu Hart, Hart, whatever, invitation. Um, if one of those title fights falls out, I won't be upset. Like, three of them is a lot, and I, I think there might be a little bit of, like, safety booking in that respect here. Yeah, but possibly. I, I'm with you on that as far as three title fights is you're pushing your luck there with audience fatigue. Yeah. You really are. All right, uh, let's check Twitter, see if anything else crazy came up. Uh, nothing MMA-related, it looks like. All right, so then, Jeff, it has been a while. Always glad to have you back. And to the <laughs> audience that we have, what would you like to plug? Uh, uh, so I did uh, an early review of WandaVision. I, I uh, saw the first three episodes, so if... Uh, so that means one more episode than what's available now on Disney Plus. So if you want to read my review of that, go to the Movie Zone right now on 411mania.com and uh, check that out. And also, um, I another thing I did uh, an interview with um, Oyen uh, Oladejo, who uh, is uh, Lieutenant uh, Joanna Awoshikun on Star Trek Discovery. So that's another thing I have uh, up there right now. So hopefully uh, this year will, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen this year. Uh, But hopefully we can 
man we can manage through this to some degree i don't know uh oh, oh another review i have another recent review i did uh transformers war for cybertron and pixar's soul because eh, they're a few weeks old at this point but those are still up there so please check those out all right as for myself I got together with Mark Radulich and Jesse Starcher for a TV party to review The Boys Season 2 over on the Radulich and Broadcasting Network. We had a lot of fun. We had some laughs. Uh, we talked for a while. Uh, that's, a, that's a long podcast, so but hopefully a worthwhile one, so you can find me there. You can find me Fridays, Annoying Wrestling Fans, uh, when I cover WWE SmackDown. I... I did not expect to annoy as many people as I did with a bad throwaway joke this last time around, but which was what? Oh, uh, you know Sammy Zayn's new character, right? Yeah. So I called him Sammy QAnon Zayn. Oh. Get it? Unf- <laughs> Look, he—he's—I mean, if nothing else, the conspiracy against Sammy Zayn actually has evidence supporting it, rather than the absolute nonsensical. BS that's spouted by those by that particular group of lunatics, but like the wouldn't it be more like? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a different stupid reference every week. No, for him as a conspiracy theorist, so. Uh, and I plan to pay it off with a Simpsons reference in a few weeks, so tune in for that. Very good, very, very good, Robert. Thank you. So yeah, again I. Rubbed a few people the wrong way. Mea culpa. My sense of humor doesn't hit with everyone. And I, my intention is never to offend. Unless it is. Uh, it's never to offend when I'm writing something official for 411. I wasn't, I wasn't offended. It's just like I can... <laughs> it, you, you can easily see the track people took to be offended. So, yeah, I've got... So, point I being... If it was, I don't think it's that bad. But, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. So anyway, tune in for bad conspiracy references talking about Sami Zayn on Fridays. Um, So anyway, you can find me there doing that. Uh, Wednesdays, I review MLW Fusion. You can find both of those in the wrestling zone of 411 Mania. We'll be back here next week for a double review. uh, The UFC and ESPN 20 card in UFC 257. And... Wish to double check this. I think that's it because the next card is not the 30th. It is the 6th of February. So, yes. Uh, We'll be back just for the review of that. And, of course, whatever news has come out, then the week after we'll be back to preview Overeem and Volkov. Um, How's that card looking? They're on ESPN Plus for that? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, You know... It's not great, but there's some hidden gems on that card. Oh, that's got Corey Sandhagen and Frankie Edgar. Oh, and Daryush and Carlos Diego Fajaya. Okay. There's at least three really good fights on that card then. So we'll have a full preview of that in a couple of weeks. Uh, until next time, everybody, I'm Robert Winfrey on behalf of Jeffrey Harris, reminding everyone to please stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.